Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Now is the time to live the life of your dreams and do the work you feel most called to do in the world. Welcome to the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Here's your host, Cliff Ravenscraft. Well, hello and welcome back, my friend, and happy new year. It is Friday, January 5th. 2024 at 747 in the morning as I'm recording this episode. And I'm doing something today I have not done in a very long time. I am sitting in front of this microphone to communicate to you without any outline. Everything that you are about ready to hear me say is coming to me stream of thought. Now, I do have one bit of inspiration that led me to instantly stop what I was doing, which by the way, what I was doing before I hit record on here was listening to Abba Gold on LP, my latest obsession. A friend of mine, Christopher Voss, sent me a couple of months ago a very inexpensive record player that you can get on Amazon. And then he also got me a brand new, freshly pressed ABBA Gold two-disc LP vinyl record set of ABBA. It's like all the best of ABBA's songs are on here. Like the entire four sides, every single song is a song I absolutely love. And he knew that ABBA was a band that I very much grew up with. I there's a long story behind it. But anyway, he sent me that and I'm like, I played it on this record and uh, on this record player. And I was so thrilled and and nothing, I, I'm incredibly appreciative, uh, but I played it on this little record player and I'm like, okay, that does not sound good. Um, the music is great. The sound quality was terrible. But then I'm like, okay, uh, this this is nice. This is cool. Um, But I'm just going to set this aside. I'm so incredibly appreciative. Now, I haven't had vinyl records since I was a kid. But then all of a sudden, a couple of months later, I get another album. It's ABBA Arrival. And this one is an original pressing. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is cool. So now I have two albums. And I must admit that I did go to Half Price Books and I was looking through their album collection and I bought a bunch of old, not a bunch, I bought two or three old dusty albums that quite frankly were spoken word comedians, George Burns, W.C. Fields. These are things that, you know, were before my time, but at least I remember listening to some of this stuff when I was a kid because my grandparents had some stuff, my dad had stuff. So... Anyway, I bought a couple of albums. They were very low quality, playing on this low quality thing, and I'm like, eh, I don't think I'm going to get into this vinyl thing. But then my wife and I were uh, probably about five or six weeks ago, 
laying back, getting ready to go to bed, and as I was browsing social media, I came across this post. And it was a post that was promoting a soundtrack to a television show. Here's the ironic thing, though. The soundtrack was for a television show that was broadcast in 1977 for British television. It was a British sci-fi children's television show called Children of the Stones. Now, there are not a lot of people in this world who remember this television show. (laughs) Maybe a few, maybe 10,000, maybe 30,000, something like that. In the whole world probably has any recollection of this show. But there are a diehard set of fans who absolutely love Children of the Stones. I'm one of them. Now, it was not broadcast on television for me in the late 70s. However, Nickelodeon in 1984 brought in some programming that was old British children's television shows. So they had Into the Labyrinth, The Tomorrow People, which by the way, Tomorrow People is one of my favorite television shows of all time. And then there was this seven episode series that had multiple parts per episode of a it is a show called Children of the Stones and it's kind of like Stonehenge but it is from I believe it's a uh, Avebury is the actual uh, stone circle in the little town in the village of Avebury not too far away from Stonehenge but it's another stone circle and they created a fictionalized story of this little village called Millbury that is stuck in some sort of time loop and it had a little bit of an eerie kind of, if you were a kid, kind of a horror feel to it, feel, but it was not overly scary. I, mean, I imagine it might have been a little spooky if you were a really little kid. But here I was, I don't know, in my tween years maybe, however old I would have had to be in 1984, but I do recall coming home every single day from school and making sure that I don't mix miss the next episode of Children of the Stones. And they I believe they re-aired it a couple of times. And that along with the Tomorrow People were some of my fondest memories of television and the early days. I'm talking about like the first few years of Nickelodeon. It was absolutely amazing. Anyway, so soundtrack. <laughs> and it's the most obscure, craziest soundtrack. If you were to look it up on YouTube, you could do Children of the Stones soundtrack, and you will find it on YouTube. And you're like, what is Cliff listening to? (laughs) But then I would encourage you, if you want to, go to YouTube and do a search for Children of the Stones full and you will actually see somebody who comprised all all of the parts of all seven episodes into a single two and a half hour uh, version that you can view on YouTube of the entire Children of the Stones. And I've been watching that at least once a year, every year for the last 10 years since I found it on YouTube. And quite frankly, before I found it on YouTube, I had been watching it for many years prior to that because I found it on BitTorrent a long time ago. And I didn't feel guilty about that. There was no other place that I could buy it. So, uh, but yeah, anyway, Children of the Stones. And I was sitting there and and I said, Stephanie, look at this. 
And do you know what it was? It wasn't just the soundtrack. It was a brand, relatively brand new uh, vinyl pressing of the soundtrack. And I'm like, this is so cool. And I sent, I showed it to Stephanie, and Stephanie knows how obsessed I am with this television show. I forced all of my kids to watch this. That My kids have, well, at least Megan and Matthew, have forced their significant others to watch this with me, this television show with me. And, and it's quite a big deal in our home. And Stephanie saw that, uh, that post when I shared it with her. And secretly, without me knowing, I, I wasn't asking her to buy it for me. Again, remember, I, I've got these two ABBA albums. I get a handful of you know somewhat dusty, scratchy records from half-price books. And I have no desire to do anything more with vinyl collection. But here's the situation. Stephanie gets me this Children of the Stones vinyl album. And I'm pretty sure that it was ordered and shipped from the UK. Anyway, I get my gift on Christmas morning. And I got to tell you, if there was a gift that's really stood out to me, it would be this crazy, obscure vinyl record with the original soundtrack of Children of the Stones. Now, at that point, I'm starting to ask myself, okay, I, I'd like to listen to this, but I could actually quite frankly go onto YouTube and listen to this in much higher quality than on this $39 record player. And again, I want you to understand, I am super appreciative of my friend who sent me this $39 record player because none of this would I be speaking to you. I wouldn't be telling you this story. This story would not exist if it were not for my friend who sent me this $39 record player on Amazon. By the way, the record Abba Gold was more expensive than the record player. So just to give you a little bit of context there. But here I am. Now I have three albums that I would love to listen to on vinyl, and I own them. So here's all of a sudden what happened. I began doing some research. Vinyl record players, turntables. I wonder, are are there any modern turntables that could be purchased today that will give me the quality that I know that a vinyl record can produce? And I went to YouTube to do that search. And then I started to see all of these people who are much younger than I, who prior to maybe the five or six or seven years ago had never listened to a vinyl record in their life, are now creating entire YouTube channels, many of them with tens or hundreds of thousands of viewers, where they're teaching about how to get into vinyl record collecting. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I did not know this existed. Don't get me wrong. I've heard about the resurgence of vinyl records. I've witnessed the fact that these vinyl records have been showing up again over the last, well, five to 10 years. I've heard little stories about the fact that vinyl sales are outpacing CD sales. And I'd heard little tidbits, but I thought this would be people like me. I'm 51, getting re- I'm 50, getting ready to turn 51 this month. 
And I thought it'd be people like me who grew up with vinyl records or people like my parents who are looking to relive their nostalgic childhood or early adult days of vinyl records. But no, practically everyone that that is out there on YouTube are people that are 20 or 30 years younger than I am. And they're out there collecting and paying lots of money for all of these exclusive repressings of classic albums. And not to mention the fact that I've discovered that my wife's a massive fan of Taylor Swift. And I noticed that her fans are buying like five different versions of the same exact album, but because they're pressed onto different colors with splatters of colors in and exclusive from here to there and all of this stuff. And I'm saying, it's like, I, I saw one person on TikTok and I happen to know a little bit about what the prices are because I've been recently obsessed with vinyl records. It's my latest obsession. And and by the way, there if you're wondering, what, what am I listening to? I mean, where's the mindset stuff? Where's the, how does this apply to making my dreams become reality? How is this, I promise you, there's a reason why I'm telling you this story. So hang with me, sit tight, sit back, and enjoy the story. All right, so I had been doing some research because this is my latest obsession. There was one person on TikTok, just their Taylor Swift album collection alone, I could tell what they shared in the video. More than $4,000 in vinyl records just of the various different versions of Taylor Swift pressings of vinyl. And I'm not talking about like the original Taylor and then Taylor's version. No, I'm talking about the original version, but like four different variations of that vinyl pressing. It's like, what? This is crazy. And what's even crazier is how many of these teenagers and even young adult women are playing these vinyl records that they're paying $80 for. They're playing them on a suitcase record player that is between the price of $50 to $125. And so, therefore, the sound quality of what they're listening to, the sound quality that's being produced on a scale of 1 to 10 is at max a 6. In fact, my daughter, McKenna, has received a brand new album from our For Christmas. And she has one of those suitcase record players in her dorm. And since buying myself a new turntable, which I did buy myself a new turntable, by the way, and I'll be happy to share with you that it is a Audio-Technica LP120 something-something with Bluetooth. (laughs) Hold on, I'll I'll get you the exact thing. So let me go to Amazon.com. I will go to my orders. And by the way, I do not recommend that you buy this on Amazon. It took way too long to get here. I would go to bhphoto.com, just look up BNH Photo on Google, and then here it is. It is the Audio-Technica ATLP120 XBT USB. So 
um, I'll, I'll explain why I sh- purchased this particular record album in just a, or vi- turntable in just a moment. But anyway, so my daughter has one of those suitcase record players. My wife and I bought, purchased that for her, probably for a prior gift, either birthday or, or Christmas. Our daughter Megan also has a such a record player. So, and, and my daughter McKenna is buying several albums and she just got one for Christmas that she really wanted or maybe she ordered her she may have actually ordered it herself now that I think about it she may have purchased that for herself but she brought it home and before my brand new turntable was delivered she played it for us on the $39 record player and she's listening to it and she's loving it and it's you know, I brought it upstairs and we're listening to it while we're cooking something in the kitchen. And I'm sitting there listening to the the audio quality, by the way, on this $39 record player on a scale of one to ten is about a four. And so I shared with McKenna, I said, you know, th- this isn't how this album actually sounds, just so you know. And I said, I've got a record player coming. And I would love to share with you what it could sound like. And I asked her, I said, on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you rate the sound quality, knowing what it sounds like when you listen with your earbuds on Apple Music? And she said, probably a 7 out of 10. I said, interesting. Well, anyway, she she has no idea, right? But I'm introducing her to what vinyl is supposed to sound like, what vinyl can sound like. And for me, the reason why I'm interested in this, that's the, that's the first question. Why am I interested in this? The first thought that came across my mind is there's not a single album that I could purchase or that I own that I can't go and listen to on Apple Music for, for well, included in my Apple Music subscription. I have Apple One, which has a bundle of all of the Apple services together. The main things that are in there that I am most interested in is the two terabytes of iCloud storage and Apple Music and Apple Fitness. I know it has a bunch of other stuff, but I I really pay no attention to those other things. But with Apple Music, Abba Gold, I could listen to the entire thing in super high lossless quality right there on my phone. I can play it over my Sonos speakers. I have thousands of dollars worth of high-end Sonos speakers, the original versions. I never upgraded to the Series 2. But I have the original Sonos, even the even the subwoofer. So, I mean, super high-quality sound. And... Even this Children of the Stones, I could listen to over my high-quality Sonos system. So why is it, this, this is the first thought that came to my mind, why on earth would I invest in a hobby of vinyl record collecting, vinyl albums, listening to vinyl, when I already have a technically, arguably, a higher fidelity quality of sound and unlimited ability to play those songs anywhere I want to go and not to mention the fact 
it's all there. I it's it there's there's no limit to how much I could listen to. I could think of any artist of any time genre and almost all of it's available right there in Apple Music and if it's not in Apple Music, it's somewhere else digitally digitally. And I can go and buy whatever I want in digital form and it sounds great. And it doesn't even have the little pop and and, and stuff like that. But Vinyl albums don't have to have lots of hissing and popping and low quality sound. And the reason I know this is because when my mom married my dad, I was about, I don't know, five or six years old, something like that. But when he had a high fidelity audio set like no other i'm talking about thousands of dollars worth of gear in fact i'll i eventually became the owner of his dull quest speakers and these things were so high powered that it would it would literally make your entire room shake with the sound it was amazing I think they had like 10-inch woofers in them and and then a bunch of other mid-range and high tweets and tweeter sounds and stuff of that, or tweeter speakers. And he had this amazing, I can't remember what brand was the amplifier and the receiver and the turntable, but it was all super high fidelity. And my dad had an extensive vinyl collection when I was growing up. And I used to listen to my mom and dad listening to records all the time. And I remember the distinct, warm sound of a vinyl album. And as I grew older, I was allowed to use this device. In fact, when I was about 11, 12, 13 years old, I became pretty much the primary user of that system. And so imagine me, my early, uh, you know, my, my tween slash early teen years, I'm literally listening to high fidelity vinyl albums. That's that's my that's how I'm getting albums. Now, eventually I moved on to cassette tapes and then even on to CDs uh, for convenience and portability. But I will tell you before I ha- before I was driving, I would have much preferred being at home listening to music on vinyl. And I just remember the sound and the feel and I remember sitting down and getting a new album and listening to it all the way through. I even remember the days of buying CD cassettes and CDs. And if I'm going to invest, I don't know, what did we pay? 12 to 15, 20 dollars, 25 dollars for a cassette tape or a CD or an album, a vinyl. I remember when you invest that much money, it's like okay. At the time, I'm not I'm not made of money. I, I just like I don't have lots of free spending cash. So when I did go to a record store and I bought a vinyl or a CD or a tape, then what I would tell you is that I made a point to listen to that music all the way through. I'd like to see all those songs, and there are cu- or listen to all those songs. And there's something about the fact that I now have unlimited smorgasbord access to any song that I want. I found myself, my attention is just not there to listen to music long term. There are, ever since I've had access to unlimited music all the time, there's probably been only five or six albums, if you will, that I've listened to from beginning to end. 
Now, those that I did, I did several times, but most of the time, I, I like think of a song, I'll hear it on a you know television show or in a movie or something like that, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna go listen to that song, and I'll listen to that song, and then the next song will come on, and I'm like, oh, I don't know that song. And as soon as I don't know that song, and I haven't really invested in that album, I move on. I've talked to a couple of people, and it seems that I'm not the only one who's had this experience. So I'm thinking, well, gosh, there there is something about the idea of investing in an album and if from an artist that you intentionally have decided, I like what they're producing, and I'd like to hear what's on an album that they're creating. And there's something about sitting back and letting a record play from the beginning all the way to the end in the order in which it was produced with the right spacing in between. Like, for example, Pink Floyd, The Wall, or Dark Side of the Moon. Those were different when all of a sudden it went one track ended and the next track started on some of these services. Now, since then, Apple Music has allowed, you know, the the continuous play or whatever. But back in the early days, you couldn't even do that. But I just recall this whole nostalgic nostalgic feeling of of early days vinyl. I'll never forget my some of my albums that were my albums were Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA and I had the Led Zeppelin 4 album which had Stairway to Heaven. And I had, oh gosh, I, I can't remember, but I, I had a lot of vinyl. Now, by that time, when I was starting to buy my own albums, I was buying lots of cassette tapes. And as soon as CDs came out, I began buying all CDs. But what I remember is is those purchases, those investments. Now, today, I have zero of those cassettes, I have zero of those vinyl records, and I have zero of those CDs. I thought, well, why do I need this stuff if I have this stuff over here? And quite frankly, I don't need any of it. But I began to ask myself as I'm starting to look up, what could I buy today that would give me that high fidelity sound that the system that I grew up with I know is able to produce. And that's when I started watching all of these YouTubers and I I did my research and I, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'm looking to invest about $250. That's, that's about what I'm looking ready to invest. So right in that price range is what I'm going for. And I looked and I could have probably got the LP60 Audio-Technica, but it's a belt drive and I did not want a belt drive. And I wanted something with a quartz lock. I did want something with the potential of Bluetooth connectivity. I I could see some potential for that down the road. I wouldn't rely on it primarily. I would want to wire this into some speakers. But anyway, I I wanted the feature of Bluetooth. I wanted the feature of USB since I may want to one day digitize something that is unavailable to me somewhere else, which I can't imagine that happening. But anyway, just in case. But I wanted a quality turntable with both phono out, which means unamplified, and also line out, which means it would have a pre-amplifier built in. 
I wanted it to have three speeds. I wanted to be able to pay, play 33 RPM records and 45 RPM records and even 78 RPM records, even knowing I would need to be able to I need to be able to replace the cartridge to play the 78 RPM records. And so therefore, I needed an album that had the ability to take the cartridge and the the playhead off of the arm and replace it with another one. Not just replacing the cartridge, I wanted to be able to just pull out and do a quick release of one playhead for the other. I wanted to be able to make sure that it had a decent counterweight system, an anti-skate, and all of these other things. And I wanted to make sure it had quartz lock to lock that speed in exactly the right speed. And there was just a lot of things that I wanted and for all of the things that I wanted at the lowest cost and which had favorable reviews, although there are some people who are audiophiles and say, okay, here's the three things I like about this and here are the three things that I don't like. But the things that they didn't like were not deal breakers for me. And the, the only turntable that came close for me in my research was the Audio-Technica ATLP120XBT-USB. It is a wireless direct drive turntable that has all of the features that I've mentioned. And it actually had very favorable reviews. And it comes with a very decent magnetic stylus and, and playhead. So it is it is a very nice turntable. The price on this turntable comes in at $399. So it's more expensive than what I was looking for, but it gives me the minimum of what I expect from a vinyl listening experience. Now, I'll skip some of the details of other things, you know, the accessories I've purchased and all these other things, but the record the, the record player, the turntable has come in I've set it up properly the way it needs to be set up, and I've been listening to vinyl albums. I purchased Fleetwood Mac Rumors. I purchased Prince's Purple Rain album, and I am building a large list of albums that I intend to invest in. Now, why? Why would I do this when I could sit here in my studio, in my office, in my area here, And at any point, I could choose an album that I want to sit back and just chill with, and I could play it on Apple Music and sit there and watch the lyrics on the screen as I'm going through. I could be pre, but there's something about vinyl. I it is for. I'm not suggesting if you've never listened to a vinyl record in your life that you should go out and invest in vinyl, but for me. It reconnects me to an earlier time, a simpler time, a time where just sitting back and enjoying an album is the only thing that's going through my mind at this time. And I loved that feeling. And there is something about the warmth of a vinyl album. There's something about just the subtle sound of that needle being amplified in that little, the sound that, that it vinyl makes in between the songs. 
And yes, okay, if you have an uh, an album that's gotten lots of play, and maybe if you haven't taken care of it as well as you should, and it's got a little bit of dust kind of into those grooves, yeah, there's a little bit of a pop here and there. But even that adds to the ambiance, and it adds to the feel, and it's missing from all this digital content. So to share all of that is to say that my latest obsession is vinyl records. That's what I'm into, and it's how I got back into it. So first and foremost, thank you to Christopher Voss for sending me that first ABBA Gold album to reconnect me to uh, the nostalgic feel of vinyl. Thank you for the $39 Amazon record player that has incredibly poor audio quality that would not meet my standards, but had you not purchased it, would not have sent me down this trail of reconnecting to a love and a passion for vinyl records, for vinyl albums. And to know that this is a new hobby, a new passion. I came down this morning and I pulled out side one of the first disc of this ABBA Gold, and I dropped the stylus, and I'm listening to it. And I'm like, I think I want to record a podcast episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show, and I want to talk about giving yourself permission. So here's a couple of things that I want to point out about this. Well, let me jump sideways, (laughs) which... Sometimes this happened in my early days. It's like you gotta gotta be careful with bouncing around and and you've gotta be careful if you're you're getting and approaching your turntable because you might you might completely skid the needle sideways and end up somewhere where you're not meant to be. But I'm gonna skid sideways here for just a moment. And I wanna tell you about something that may seem completely unrelated. Yesterday I jumped on a catch-up call with Leslie Graham. She is a dear friend of mine. She had been a member of my Next Level Mastermind for just over a year. She and I were reminiscing about some of the experiences that we've had. She was telling me about what she's excited about doing in 2024. I asked her if there's any way that I could be of support or encouragement to you, her, and she said, yeah, here's how you could help me, and I had an immediate response to that, and I was delighted to be of service to her, and this was a response of her reaching out and saying, hey, Cliff, I loved your most recent email newsletter. I had a question for you. Hey, if, if you're ever up for it, let's jump on a quick catch-up call, and I said, I've, I'm available at 12 today, or at 3.30, or whatever time. Three, yeah, I said 3.30 today, which would be preferable, and she said, let's do 12 o'clock. So we got on this call, had a delightful conversation. I love what she's going after in 2024. And at the end, I asked for referral. I said, hey, you know exactly the type of coach that I am. You know about my Next Level Mastermind. You know exactly how I help people. I bet you that you probably have in mind at least two or three people that you know that could genuinely benefit right here, right now, in this moment, with the type of coaching that I do. And she goes, oh my gosh, Cliff, I have I have somebody that you need to connect with. 
And I, and I said, great, and tell me more. And she began to tell me about this person. And she says, in fact, in the past, I've told her all about you. I, I said, you should go look him up. Here, go check out this and look him up. I, encur- I was encouraging her to, to follow up with you. I said, oh, well, if can I share with you what I think would be a better way of of making a referral that could be, that could actually benefit that person getting them the help that they need and make it more likely that we would connect and she goes sure how you know what what do you have in mind i said well here's what i would recommend given the fact that you know very at a very deep level how i show up in the world what my one-on-one coaching is like, you know what the next level mastermind environment is like, you know the type of people that get the best results from working with me. You know exactly who my exact ideal client and customer is. And she goes, yeah. I said, awesome. So I would imagine that this person that you just told me about, they fit perfectly within my ideal client range and the the, the struggles that she's facing right now are a perfect fit for exactly the type of coaching that I do. I I would assume that that's already the case, right? She goes, absolutely, hands down. I said, wonderful. Anytime that that's the case, here's what I want you to know. If you refer me someone that you believe would be a good fit for the coaching that I do or the Next Level Mastermind, I will automatically, without filtering any further, for anyone you refer to me, I will offer them a full-blown 90-minute one-on-one coaching experience with me with no strings attached and no expectation and no obligation that they ever pay me anything for my coaching or any other product or service. Now, Leslie knows very well that I use the Prosperous Coach Method, and I oftentimes will invite people back to a second complimentary session if I think that they're a good fit and and all of this. But she also knows I mean it when I say no strings attached. There's no expectation, no obligation. And she knows I don't always invite somebody back to a second experience. I don't always propose to people that I actually invite to a second complimentary experience. But she does know all of these things. And I said, so here's what I would recommend that you do is that reach back out to her and say, hey, I just had a call with Cliff and it reminded me of the time where I told you about this. And and um, I, and and then I said, you might want to tell her a little bit about me and what it's been like to work with me. And and I'll tell you what she said in just a moment. But then the, the rest of it is, is once you've told her who I am and why you're referring her to me and how I might benefit her, here's what you do. He will, for me, anybody that I refer to him, he will automatically, without any filtering, give you a full-blown 90-minute one-on-one coaching experience. He's not going to try to sell you anything. He's not going to try to convince you about the value of his coaching. He will just coach you for 90 minutes. It'll be a gift to you with no strings attached. and There will be no expectation or any obligation you'll ever become his paid client. Would you be interested in having me connect you with him? And if that person says yes when you're referring and you do all of this, all you do is send me an email and carbon copy them and make an email introduction. And then I'll thank you by you know replying to all and then I'll reply to that person separately and I'll take it from there. And she goes, oh, that sounds amazing. Except for the fact that she cut me off and she goes, oh, Cliff, she already knows who you are. <laughs> and, and, and then she says this. 
She goes, matter of fact, let me, she goes, I don't remember the exact words, but she, I was trying to encourage her, you should have a paid mastermind group. In fact, I've been part of Cliff Ravenscraft's mastermind group. And actually, this was after she was no longer in the group. She had been in the group for over a year and she wanted to invest that income or that that money for her husband to participate in some stuff. So that's why she had left the next level mastermind. But anyway, she was trying to convince her of that. And then she sent her to a podcast that I produce and says, you should reach out to Cliff. And when she was doing that, here's, here's the response. She's something like to the effect of, oh yeah, but he's Cliff freaking Ravenscraft. And then I laughed out loud. Leslie laughed out loud. And I said, do you know how many times I hear that? And we laughed further. And I said, what, what people don't understand is that there was a time when I wasn't Cliff freaking Ravenscraft. I was just Cliff. I was just ordinary me. Nobody, there was a time when nobody knew who I was. And so... I have gotten this from many people. I hear this over and over, but you're Cliff Ravenscraft. And I hear people say all the time when I'm coaching them about what it is they want to create in the world. Oh, but he's Pat Flynn. Oh, but that's Michael Hyatt. Oh, but that's Amy Porterfield. And I don't have what they have. I don't have what you have, Cliff. You've been doing fill in the blank for whatever You've got this for you. You've got that. And I'm like, I do. Or they do. But there was a time when none of us, of the people that you just mentioned, none of us had any of this. We all started somewhere. So why am I recording this podcast episode? And what does this have to do with an obsession currently of vinyl albums, vinyl music, sitting back and listening to my record player? It has to do with the fact that I just am comfortable with being me. I am comfortable with sharing my story. I'm comfortable talking about what I like. I'm comfortable with sharing what I'm interested in at the level for which I'm interested in it. I am not held back by, oh my gosh, who would want to hear me talk about how I recently rediscovered a love for vinyl music? That question did not come across my mind. I did not give in to the question. Now, I did have the question, why would I invest, let's just put it this way, over in, in 2024, I'm going to, because everything that I've purchased so far, I've already purchased Purple Rain and Rumors, uh, and I've purchased this turntable. I've purchased a different mat to go on the turntable. I've purchased a couple of other accessories. I'm going to purchase protective sleeves and anti-static uh, slip covers. I, and I know for a fact that this year, 
given my current plans as they are, I will probably end 2024 with approximately maybe somewhere around two or $3,000 invested in vinyl in this hobby. And not for a second did I ask myself, or no, not, not for a second did I give into the question of why would I do this? Why should I do this? I have access to this in digital form. This is such a less convenient thing. I, I'm gonna be tied to a specific room. By the way, that price that I just gave you is 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 one of the reasons. I'm going to buy either another Audio-Technica ATLP120XBT USB turntable for our loft upstairs and build a listening room up there. And I'm going to attempt to use some shelf speakers that I have or my Bose surround sound, I'm going to take it up there and see if it will work and sound good with this. If not, I may invest into some higher quality, higher fidelity, higher wattage, sound producing speaker systems for another turntable upstairs so that I could listen to vinyl here in my studio, in my office if I want. Or if Stephanie and I, or if the kids want to come over and bring their one of their albums, we can listen to, and we can have an album listening party. But I, I never once asked myself, why would I do this? This doesn't seem responsible. There seems to be some other thing that I could do. Why would I pay that much money when I have this over here? I could actually get you know super high quality, no hissing, popping sound. I could listen to anything I want, and we could have listening party. But the reality is, is it's, it's different. It's different, and I want this, and I have seemingly no interest in the other option, but I have an interest here. I have a passion here. There's something nostalgic here. I would love to also help my children understand that the record players that they have that my wife and I purchased for them might be worthy of an upgrade. And who knows? You know, it, it, it could be gifts in the future. I don't know. Or maybe they'll invest in it themselves someday. But it, it seems that Vinyl has made a huge resurgence. I don't think this is going to go any away anytime soon. And I would I would love to introduce I'd love to be the one who really introduces my children not just to vinyl but to the actual real authentic deep high fidelity vinyl experience. And it's like I never let myself ask myself it's like oh I could do so many other things with that money or I don't have enough Margin financial, it's like one of the things that has made me, me, is I've never asked, can I afford this? But instead, I ask myself, well, what would this cost? What would the investment be if I go in? And then the question is, okay, what can I do to produce that extra amount of income? Now, did I always have this mindset? The answer is no. I used to be just Cliff. Not today. I'm what I'm Cliff freaking Ravenscraft for some unknown reason, uh, or by by some people's stand. I'm Cliff freaking Ravenscraft, but I haven't always been Cliff Raven. I haven't always been this superhuman version that people are thinking of. That oh, I could never do what Cliff Ravenscraft is doing. I don't have what Cliff Ravenscraft has. But there's, there was a time when I didn't have what I have. 
And I'm not talking about the money. I'm not talking about the audience. I'm not talking about over 4,700 podcast episodes and 50 different podcast shows. And I'm getting ready to launch my 51st podcast next week with my friend and client, Daphne Scott, called Life, the Ultimate Choose Your Own Adventure Game. Look for that in your favorite podcast directory by the end of this month. Anyway, there was a time I didn't have any of this stuff. There was a time when I could have never dreamed of having the things that I have today or creating the ability for me to have these things. There was a time when I never allowed myself to do things that seemed very irresponsible, that it seemed quite selfish to invest in my passions at such a deep level, to go, to spend so much time. I mean, it, one of the things that I desire to do with vinyl and is I, I'd love to have a habit of starting my morning and, and including in my morning routine, listening maybe to an entire uh, disc, just one side of a disc or maybe a whole album in the morning before I start my day. Kind of like a mindfulness, be in the moment, be fully present, just here, enjoy this kind of a practice in the morning. It's it's kind of, I, I could see this being a part of that. And occasionally, I would love to have up in the loft, I would love to have opportunities to have that kind of same experience with my wife or any of my children individually. Or the entire family together around an album that we're from an artist that we're all interested in. I have a vision of what I want to experience. And that is not something I always had the ability to do. Oh, that's not me. I don't do those things. That's how I used to believe. That's how I used to feel. That's for wealthy people. That's not for me. I don't have that much free time. All you have to do is go back to the old archives of a show I used to produce. It's called Pursuing a Balanced Life. Go to gspn.tv. Again, that's gspn. That stands for Generally Speaking Production Network. Generally Speaking Production Network. .tv, not .com. So gspn.tv. And then scroll all the way down to the bottom of that page and you will see a list of shows that says currently inactive or archived productions. And then scroll almost all the way to the bottom, uh, but somewhere in the middle there of that section, you will see a show called Pursuing a Balanced Life. And if you click View Episodes... It says here, it says, Pursuing a Balanced Life, this podcast is pretty much an audio journal of my life from November 2007 through January 2016. This was a behind-the-scenes look into my life throughout those years. If you have ever doubted the power of personal growth and personal development, all you have to do is know that I am today and what I do today and then simply listen to any episode from this archived show to see how much one person can change over a decade.
Be sure to check out my current podcast, The Cliff Ravenscraft Show, in your favorite podcast directory. Of course, if you want a current behind-the-scenes look into look in an audio journal format that resembles the archive content here on Pursuing a Balanced Life, check out the Train with Cliff audio journal program over at trainwithcliff.com. Now, Pursuing a Balanced Life, 640 episodes. And those episodes are like, it's it's not rocket science kind of stuff. In fact, I'm going to see if I can go here and find you content from that particular show. I found it here, and I will share with you a little bit of an audio clip from episode number one. This was part published on March 16th, 2006 at 6.25 a.m. I'm going to just hit play. Hello, everybody. This is Cliff Ravenscraft of the Generally Speaking Podcast. In fact, I would like to announce that I'm actually officially now coming to you from the Generally Speaking Podcast Network. If you get a chance sometime, you might want to go and check out www.generallyspeakingpodcast.com and you'll notice that I have done a little bit of work lately trying to start up a Generally Speaking Podcast network, uh, which is currently a network of three podcasts. Most people uh, listening to this are probably already aware of my weekly Lost edition of Generally Speaking, and I have been doing that now, I think, for 12 weeks, and it is exciting, and in 12 weeks, we've gained over 5,000 listeners and just have had a phenomenal response, and I never would have dreamed it possible, but... I can't tell you how pleased I am with the success of that edition of Generally Speaking. Um, After getting involved in the Lost Edition and its success, I had toyed with the idea of going away from my original concept of Generally Speaking and just making it a a Lost podcast only. Uh, But that was... I'm going to stop right there. Did you hear the difference in my voice? Did you hear the, the lack of confidence that was there? I mean, think about how I am powerfully communicating today with boldness and confidence, and then that episode. All right, here is episode number two, titled, Love My Neighbor? Since we're together, we might as well say, Would you be mine? 
Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? Hi there, podcasting neighbor. I'm glad we're together again for the second episode of My Crazy Life, a podcast production of Generally Speaking. And my name is Cliff Ravenscraft. Glad to have you with us this evening. In fact, uh, you can always check out our website at generallyspeakingpodcast.com. And if you ever want to call in with your comments to ask me to quit singing or to <laughs> ask a question for me to answer on the show, you can always reach us at our listener line at 413. All right, I'm going to stop right there. But Cliff Ravenscraft sang in a podcast episode. And to this day... I still have done nothing to learn how to carry any particular note or tune uh, on key. So <laughs> I, my singing is just as grand today as it was on March 20th of 2026. And then what I want to do is I want to see if I can find... Oh, by the way, you may want to know the fact that this podcast was originally called My Crazy Life, and it was for the first 485 episodes, or was it 300? I think it might have been 385 episodes. Then I changed the name of the show to Pursuing a Balanced Life, thinking that maybe more people would be interested in this content, and I was right. Now, here's what I want you to know. In 2006, this is in March of 2006, I'm just four months into this as a hobby. Podcasting is a hobby. I'm working in insurance at my mom and dad's insurance agency. I am incredibly financially successful there. I'm an associate pastor at the time, working towards, at the time, I believed that, you know, I'm working towards, you know, one day maybe owning, or actually owning, not owning, but one day uh, being a pastor of a church full-time and and being the head pastor, preaching pastor, all that stuff, this is what I'm thinking that is going to be my future. And then I discovered the hobby of podcasting. And I didn't allow myself to say, oh my gosh, will people like me and all these other things. Now, don't get me wrong, I had those thoughts, but I didn't let them keep me from publishing something I wanted to publish. And my obsession... In twenty in December of twenty fifteen, or two, I'm sorry, in December of two thousand five, and my obsession all throughout two thousand six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, all the way up to today, <laughs> my obsession at the time was podcasting. In fact, this my crazy life slash pursuing a balanced life podcast, I began producing one show per day every day. And I never cared if anyone ever listened to any of those episodes. Now, I knew people would. And some of the reasons why I knew some people would was because people would send me questions related to from another podcast. They knew from about me from another podcast. I mentioned something in passing. They sent me an email asking me a question about it. But I had like 30 or 40 or 50 other people who asked me the same question. I read that question in a podcast episode and then just shared my thoughts on it. And I said, hey, I recorded a podcast episode answering that question. 
and I sent them a link. And I did that for all 40 or 50 people who asked the same question. And yes, all those people listened to that particular episode. And that's how this podcast got started. It was following my passion. You see, for me, I didn't set out to leave my day job as an insurance agent. I was quite happy as an insurance agent at the time. Now, I became completely uh, disheartened by my career as an insurance agent, and I saw it as life-sucking, soul-sucking after about 12 to 18 months of podcasting because I began to recognize that my true mission, purpose, and calling is more aligned with what I could accomplish through content creation and putting my message out to a much larger world than just limited to the geographic location of serving people in my hometown in Northern Kentucky and greater Cincinnati area. But I didn't, how did I get there? I was I was just a guy in his basement with no, I didn't even know about microphones. I didn't know about audio quality. I didn't know about how to speak yourself powerfully into the room. I didn't know about confidence. I didn't know about emotional intelligence. All you have to do, listen to the first 100 episodes of Pursuing a Balanced Life, which were officially called My Crazy Life. I just told you where you could find it. And I promise you, you will not find Cliff freaking Ravenscraft. <laughs> he, he did not exist back then. He was being built one day at a time. And how did I get to where I am? Through one experience after another experience. Through reading one book after another book. Through setting one goal and failing miserably, but deciding not to give up, and trying to approach it from a different direction, and failing miserably, but not giving up, but trying again from a different perspective, from a different way, and then eventually finding some level of success, only to reach the goal that I had intended and recognize that this is the wrong goal, and then to reinvent myself over and over and over again. I not only, uh, by the way, I didn't always not give up. There were several things that I set as goals and I did give up on them. I can tell you right now, there were times that I, when I was just out there being me in a public place, all anywhere in the world, anyone in the world could listen to me. And quite frankly, a lot of people did not like me. A lot of people still don't like me. Back then, it really bothered me. It really got under my skin. And I am who I am today because I exposed myself to that. I felt the sharp pain and the sting and the shame and the guilt of not living into other people's expectations of me and, and taking on their criticism and I turned it into self-criticism and I felt all of that all the way to the point where I almost gave up several different times. But what, the reason why I became who I am is because ultimately I'm like, listen, I can't give up this dream that I have. I can't give up this obsession that I currently have. And by the way, podcasting is not just one obsession. 
If anybody's been following me over the years, I have lots of different obsessions from time to time. Some people say, you know what, Cliff, my problem is I just have white shiny object syndrome. And I'm like, or or bright shiny object syndrome. And I'm like, really? I have that too, but I fully embraced it as a part of my overall personal growth and development plan. And like, I see it from a completely different perspective. I love to go deep into things. I love, but the, the thing is, is as a, but here's the thing. I'm able to see it from a different perspective because I overcame a lot of limiting beliefs about money and earning income and thoughts about what you should and should not do when it comes to your motivations about what you do in the world. You see, there are some people is like, Cliff, you, you, can't, you shouldn't be charging people so that you could live your hobby. And I had to overcome that. And as a result of doing what I love for a living for a long time, I struggled financially. I worked around the clock and I almost died in the hospital as a result of it. So I used to live into other people's expectations, but I got to where I am today through failure after failure after failure. Granted, many successes after success after success, but also finding that those successes many times did not actually ultimately give me what I truly felt desired and was aligned with what I thought it would be. And then I shift my focus and move in a different direction, sometimes starting from scratch. And that's what I did with Podcast Answer Man. That's how this this show, the Cliff Ravenscraft show, the first, I don't know, was it 500 or so episodes of this podcast? It was Podcast Answer Man. It's now the Cliff Ravenscraft show. And when I made the change from the Cliff Ravenscraft show to, I'm sorry, from Podcast Answer Man to the Cliff Ravenscraft show. Over the course of the next 12 months, I lost more than 80% of my subscribers. And it was very intentional that I made the shift. It wasn't intentional that I lost the subscribers, but it was intentional that I made the shift even if it meant losing subscribers. Now, I would not have been able to make that decision had I not grown in my under... Well, gosh, at the time, I didn't even know the, the, the phrase emotional intelligence. But looking back, what I was doing is I was growing in emotional intelligence. It had everything to do with the people that I was surrounding myself with and and the lifestyle that they lived was more appealing to me than who I was previously hanging out with as my peer group. So I upgraded my peer group. I began reading and studying the books that people that I looked up to who were already living the experience of life that I wanted to live at the highest level. I began reading the books that they were reading and that they had attributed to much of their growth. And I began this obsession with personal growth and personal development. But I also had to overcome limiting beliefs about self-help and and things like Think and Grow Rich and Napoleon Hill and his talk of universal consciousness and energy and vibration and law of attraction and all of this other stuff. I had been so preconditioned from my upbringing, from what was a evangelical fundamentalist Christian background, this, this, I was programmed, stay away from all of that. And, and, and I, I did stay away from it for a very long time. 
But when I began to start moving in that direction, I'm like, okay, I'm starting to break free from some old ways of thinking and feeling, and that allowed me to start taking different actions. And and it was a slow process over time. But eventually, I got to this place where, wow, there's a lot of freedom when I discover, number one, what a belief is, that it's not something that's absolute truth, it's not fact, a belief is a thought that you feel certain is true. A thought, a belief is a thought that you have a habit of thinking and 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 believing. That's it. That's all a belief is. By the way, your beliefs will determine what thoughts go through your mind. What thoughts go through your mind and beliefs you have related to certain topics will determine how you feel in any given circumstance and situation. And then I discovered that the way that I'm thinking and feeling is actually determining my actions or my inability to take action, which was determining the results that I was getting in life. Actions equal results every single time. And the results that you get every single time in every area of life are perfect for the system that you've created, the system of beliefs, the system of thinking and feeling, your habitual way of being in the world. Now, today, I've expanded even more, especially over the last six years. And I understand not only emotional intelligence, but levels of consciousness. But here's the thing. This didn't just, I didn't wake up one morning and I was Cliff freaking Ravenscraft. <laughs> I still get a giggle out of that. But it was an evolution over time. And what I recognize is how many people today see people like myself or Pat Flynn or Amy Porterfield or Michael Hyatt or all these other people out there. And they're like, well, sure, they can do it because they're that. Yeah, they are that. And if you're interested, I bet you many of those people, including myself, would be more than delighted to share with you how they got there. You may not be interested in doing what it takes to get there. And that's really the fear that a lot of people have. It's like, well, how can I get there in the next six months, because that's what I need. I need to get to the place where, Cliff, I'm generating $20,000 a month in my side business within six months. Can you help me? And I'm like, I'm not going to promise you anything. I'd be delighted to work with you over the next six months, and this is what it would be like for you and I to work together. And here's what I promise. I promise to call out your BS, Every single time you share a limiting belief. And by your way, your BS stands for your belief system. And yes, it stands for the other thing as well. I will call you on your BS. I will call you out on your language. I will call you out on your limited perception of the world. I will call you out on your fears and get to the heart of them and find and dig the beliefs. These are the things that we will do. Where you will be six months from now, you will be a different person than you are today. You will be a different human being. You will be somewhat unrecognizable to some people. If somebody had not seen you for six months, and last time they saw you and had an engaging one-on-one conversation with you, prior to us ever working together, and then if you they were to see you three months after our six months together, I guarantee you they would not, they would be blown away. That is what I can promise you. How much money you'll be making? I have no idea. 
I can't even promise you that you still will have a goal of leaving your day job and and making $20,000 a month. That might change as well. But if you're interested, here's what this is what it would be like. So anyway, I I I have these conversations, but the number of people and they're like I I asked them I said, like, "Well, let me ask you this." what kind of audience is already out there asking you questions about that? How many people are emailing you or reaching out to you on a weekly basis? Well, nobody. Oh, okay. Well, social media, how many people are following you? How many connections do you have on LinkedIn? How many? Oh, I don't have a LinkedIn profile. I don't have any social media at all. I have no social media presence. Oh, okay. No worries. Well, um, you know, it is like, what have you done towards this whatsoever? Have you read this book? Oh, I, you know, is it an audio form? Because I find reading is a total, <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, is it possible for you to, to move forward? Yes, because I can tell you right now, prior to 2000, was it 2009, I read almost no books. And I've read hundreds of books since 2009. So you can't even change what you think and how you feel and what you believe about reading, and that's actually going to change your actions related to reading. You may even get into some obsession about note-taking and different various tools that you can use to track all of your notes. I say all of this to say that you've got to follow your passion. You've got to find out, who am I? What lights me up? What is it that I could get passionate about? What could I go and deep dive into? Where could I invest a couple hundred hours of my free time? And if you don't have a couple of hour, hundred hours of your free time in 2024, then I would ask this question. What could I do to increase the amount of margin in my life? So that if I wanted to, I could I could begin including a listening to thirty minutes of an album, on you know each morning as a mindfulness part of my routine, and then sit in the evening and listen to an album with my my wife and or my kids, what or your spouse, whatever. So. I would encourage you to ask, what could I do to increase the margin in my life? Because I didn't always have margin in my life. Financially, time, effort, or even energy, they were all seemingly limited back in the day. Only until I realized that it was only my beliefs at the time that caused me to believe in those those limitations. They felt very real. But once I began to break the agreements of what I believe to be true with so many things that I had just randomly picked up through my lifetime, I began to see the world in a whole different way. And that, over time, allowed me the freedom to explore the things that light me up, to explore the passions it was, it was an absolute passion for podcasting, not, oh my gosh, how can I make money through podcasting? That wasn't what I was doing. I was just creating content. It wasn't until you know four or five or six months into podcasting as a hobby, and I was producing about seven episodes a week, sometimes as many as 15 podcast episodes a week before I ever thought about doing this as more than a hobby. It was an obsession. 
It was a passion. It was something that I could dig hundreds and, in fact, thousands of hours of my life into for no other reason than this is what lights me up. What is it that lights you up? What is it that you can invest hundreds, maybe even thousands of your hours of your life, your time, your effort, and energy into without this hardcore, like, there's this, I have to make money from this. But you could just do it because you love it. You could just go out and speak because you love it. You could talk because you love impacting and influencing people's lives. I'm gonna wrap this episode by sharing an email that recently just came in. And I need to find it here. There was a gentleman that signed up for my Train With Cliff audio journal podcast. If you've not heard of the Train With Cliff audio journal podcast, you definitely should look it up, trainwithcliff.com. It's a game changer. Anyway, so this gentleman signed up on January 4th, 2024, in the morning, he responded to a Loom video. Actually, I think he joined, okay, he joined on uh, Tuesday, January 2nd. On Wednesday, January 3rd, that morning, I sent him a Loom video via email. And in that video, I said, hey, I just saw that you signed up for the Train With Cliff audio journal program. I just wanted to personally thank you. By the way, I do not, I've just done a search and I've not seen in my email inbox anywhere that you and I have exchanged any communication in the past. I'm wondering, how did you discover me? And how did you discover the Train With Cliff Audio Journal? And what was it that made you decide to subscribe to a paid podcast from me? If you want, feel free to include a little bit of story about who you are and and, and I, I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to learn a little bit more about you. And I sent that as a Loom video. And then on Thursday, January 4th at 8.51 a.m., I get an email back from this person. It says, uh, hi, Cliff. Thank you for taking time to reach out. I have been following you and your journey for well over a decade, but I have never contacted you. This may sound strange, but I've considered you my mentor for years. If you don't mind, I would love to share the story of how I found you and the impact you've had on my life without you ever knowing it. I initially found you on an interview you did on another podcast I listened to at the time. Your story about leaving your job in insurance and following your passion in podcasting connected with me on a deep level. So much so that I subscribed to what became my favorite podcast for years, Pursuing a Balanced Life. I loved hearing about your life journey and business updates as they came in, and I dreamed of having a similar life. At the time, I had graduated college a few years back and was working in finance. I was doing personal loans for people while at the same time following your recommendation of listening to Dave Ramsey and becoming hyper-focused, becoming debt-free. 
I felt like a hypocrite putting people in debt when all I wanted to do is help them do the opposite. At the same time, I was following my passion of making YouTube videos. I had started a vlog back in 2011 when we bought our first home and got our puppy. Over the years, this turned into a family vlog when my son came along, and by 2017, it was doing so well that I was making more money on YouTube than I was at my job where I was now managing an office full of people and hating every minute of it. So, like you, I made the jump into self-employment working each day making new videos for my ever-increasing channel lineup, and it became wildly successful. I'm in the same position as you financially and also doing what I feel called to do. I have a primary vlog, and he put a link to his vlog, but I'm keeping his name out of this, uh, which, by the way, has over 800 thousand subscribers all right he also has a lego channel a gaming channel and wouldn't you know it a weekly audio journal podcast that i've been recording for over four years following you has given me the blueprint to create the life i wanted and it's given my family opportunities that we would have never had if i stayed the course in finance I had the ability to stay home with my son when he was young while also building this business. Last year, my wife, who is a teacher, took a year off so we could travel the world as a family. I believe my success can be attributed to two things, being authentic and uplifting. I encourage others through my story in the same way you did for me all those years ago. I've personally heard from hundreds of viewers, both young and old, on how my channels have positively impacted their lives just from putting ourselves out there. I'm not sure if this would have happened without following your journey. For that, I am very thankful. Now, Here's where some criticism comes in. As for signing up to the Train with Cliff audio journal, I was a longtime audio journal Patreon supporter before you moved it to Kanjabi. When you switched over, it was a time when you had most when you had mostly, actually it doesn't have ad in there. When you switched over, it was a time when you mostly lost me as a listener to your public podcasts. As I mentioned, I followed you for your story. But since Free the Dream, your content had become mainly focused on coaching promotion. And it felt like when you did show up in my podcast feed, it was to sell your audience. And it really turned me off. In my mind, you lost what made you special and without being able to preview what type or personal promotion or personal or frequency of content that you were going to do on Train With Cliff in Kajabi, I decided not to sign up when you made the switch. 
time passed and I found myself skipping all of your TCRS content. My new favorite podcaster became Father Roderick, who I found because of you. I found his content to be what I wished yours still was. Ultimately, I had all but given up on you. But then Family from the Heart started coming back into my feed. You were back to making the content I always loved listening to, exclamation mark. You were showing up to share and not just to sell. I've listened to every episode since the most recent relaunch of Family from the Heart, and it got me thinking about Train with Cliff audio journal again. I decided to pull the trigger on joining and was happy to see all of the content I previously enjoyed is still being produced. I'm looking forward to getting caught up best, and then he signs his name. Now, I shared this email and this feedback with one of my coaching clients yesterday and goes, wow, Cliff, I I bet you that's a wake-up call. Is this going to change how you show up in the Cliff Ravenscraft show now? Is this going to have an impact? Is this going to influence this? You know, was this a wake-up call that that you've become all salesy in your content? And I'm like, no, this is I, it, this is incredibly valuable feedback. In fact, let me re- read to you. I, I want to read to you what I wrote back to this individual. I said, wow, thank you so much for providing all this valuable feedback and for sharing your story. Congratulations on reaching over 800,000 subscribers on your such and such YouTube channel. It's so cool to see that you have such a large interest in a daily vlog, even going into 2024. I'm honored to know how much my own journey has inspired your own journey into this amazing world of adding value to people's lives through the content we create. I appreciate the criticism of your perceived shift in the content that I was publishing. I felt a deep internal calling to become less public and dive much deeper into serving a smaller group of paying clients at a more profound level. This shift may have affected my reputation among tens of thousands, but it has led to a radical positive change in the world through the work of my clients over the past six years. Thankfully for my family, the past six years have been the most financially profitable as a result of this intentional shift as well. Most importantly, this shift has brought about an amount of margin in time and energy, that has allowed me to actually live the lifestyle that I've always dreamed of, which has been incredibly powerful for how when it comes to the way that I show up for my wife, my kids, and even myself. With all that said, I'm thrilled that some of my recent live streams with Family from the Heart have recaptured your attention and that they resonated with you at a deep level. I sincerely hope that you will enjoy the Train With Cliff audio journal content. Thank you again for sharing such detailed feedback. Wishing you a very happy new year, Cliff. So that was the exchange there. But there are a couple of things that I want to point out. What was it that had made this individual a fan, somebody who had been following me for well over a decade? It's the fact that I just showed up and I was just me. 
I was sharing what I was interested in. I was sharing what I was up to in the world. I was sharing my goals, my hopes, my dreams, my plans. I was sharing my successes, yes, but I was also sharing my failures and what I learned from them and how I was readjusting and or, or pivoting. I just showed up and I did it consistently and I didn't do it so that I would become famous. I did it because it was an obsession of mine. It was a passion. I couldn't not do it. It's what I loved. It's what made me come alive. That's why I did it. And then if you think about the feedback that he provided me, he's like, Cliff, and, and I found myself following your Pursuing a Balance, your audio journal. And, and I began to want some of the same things and I started to create things that I loved and I just started showing up. And I mean, just my daily life, my vlog, it, it, I went and I watched his vlog. It, it's just him showing up and sharing. And he's got over 800,000 people following that, subscribe to that one channel. And he's got other channels that are incredibly successful. Just following his passion, his interest. And today, he's in a similar financial situation that I am, doing the work he feels most called to do in this world. And, and let me tell you, I'm in a very good financial situation. So to know that he's also in that, and he got there the same way. And here's what I know about Pat Flynn and Michael Hyatt and Amy Porterfield. They all got there the same way. You see, you might think, why would Cliff Ravenscraft record an episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft show that's over an hour and a half long? And how long did he go on about his recent reintroduction into the passion for vinyl records? Because it's content like that. Me being me that has led me to all of the things that have said, you know what? I give myself permission to have really wild and crazy dreams. I give my pers- myself permission to inv- invest hundreds and thousands of hours or hundreds or thousands or tens of thousands of dollars into my passions or interests. I don't question where am I right now financially and how ridiculous is what I want compared to where I am financially. I've come to the place as a result of exploring my money thoughts and beliefs and all that other stuff through doing all the work to break free from limiting beliefs about money, I've come to the place where today I am now able to easily say, you know what, of course I want to uh, come up with a couple hundred thousand dollars so I can go buy that land and and build this on that property and do this thing and offer this for the world. Well, gosh, where I am financially, which is great. (laughs) That seems like a far off you know, dream or vision, but I know it's just as much as real of a possibility three to five years from now as what I'm experiencing today was three to five years ago. And I could say that over and over again. So Cliff freaking Ravenscraft. I, even today, I still feel that I'm, I'm me, you know? And sometimes people have said, Cliff, you know what, of course it's easy for you because you're Cliff Ravenscraft. I get that. I hear that. I do eight 90-minute one-on-one coaching calls per week, 
every week. I do a weekly group coaching program called the Next Level Coaching Program for people who are wanting to master the Prosperous Coach Method for creating clients and also master other uh, important and valuable tools, techniques, strategies on on how to be a transform a transformational coach to help your clients get more transformation in their life, to help you take you from a hobbyist coach to a professional coach. By the way, I don't have a sales page for it yet. Uh, the next level coaching program. If you're interested in that, email me. Cliff at CliffRavenscraft.com. And yes, I'm still going to create content. And yes, I'm still going to show up and s- tell you about the possibilities of hiring me as a coach and what coaching can do for you and all of this other stuff. And that intentional shift was very intentional. I moved the content like this episode into the Train With Cliff Audio Journal podcast for a reason. And you know what? It did cause me to lose thousands of subscribers, all right? So what I will tell you is this. The people who are my exact ideal clients, listen, they they hear about me as a guest on somebody else's podcast, typically, or somebody tells them about me, and they say, go check out the Cliff Ravenscraft show. And then what they do is they look at the, it's like, why is this episode like an hour and 40 minutes or whatever? And I don't, I don't know, I'm gonna listen to that. And then they click play. And you know what they do? They listen to the whole thing. And my exact ideal client, I want to keep stressing that, my exact ideal client then goes and listens to the episode before that. And usually within one to two weeks, they finally heard enough calls to action. They email me with the subject line coaching or mastermind group or whatever. And then they say think something like this. Oh my gosh, Cliff, I just discovered you a couple of weeks ago when you were a guest on John Lee Dumas's Entrepreneur on Fire and or Megan Porta's Eat Talk blog uh, podcast or whatever. All of these different, or Eat Blog Talk, I think is what it is. Anyway, I just heard you as a guest on so-and-so's podcast. And then I checked out your show and I have been binge listening to all of the episodes, all your recent episodes of the Cliff Ravenscraft show. And that has been very intentional. That content is there for a very select audience for a very select uh, purpose. And that is for it to be a professional reputation of who I am as a master business and mindset coach. This is this is how I show up in the world. This is what I have to offer. This is what you could experience if you were working with me. This is the kind of this is how I show up in this world. This is what I have available to me as resources. And every single episode has to be inspired. Every single episode has to be a 10 out of 10 quality. If it's less than a 10 out of 10 quality, I will not publish it. I made that decision many years ago. And sure, I have a history of showing up on average somewhere between one to two episodes per month ever since I made that decision. Occasionally, I have a little case of inspiration and and I'll put six weeks in a row of content out there. I have no idea what 2020, I like that. I have no idea what 2024 will have in store. It's gonna be a year of another blank canvas to create whatever I'm passionate about. But I do know this. I'm gonna start my days, most days, listening to some very awesome vinyl music. 
My friends, I encourage you to ask yourself, do I have margin in my life to invest in the things that I'm passionate about? Do I have a mindset and a belief system that gives me the freedom and flexibility to dream about my passions? Do I have margin in my time that will allow me to explore hundreds or thousands of hours of what I'm most interested in and what lights me up in the year ahead? And if not, am I willing to invest in whatever it would take to give me a mindset that would allow me to create that and to find out what lights me up and to go all in on it and find my place in the world where I can show up and be authentically me. And I could show up and be out there and the right people at the right time will listen to my content and maybe they'll listen and listen for weeks, months, or more than a decade and never reach out to me, but yet their life has been radically, profoundly transformed. And you know what? Maybe along the way, I might actually shift what I want, what I've been doing for the last decade over to something new that I want to create next. And maybe, maybe 80% of those people that loved what I was doing for the last decade are going to go away. Would I, would I have the mindset that's okay with saying, you know what, this was an intentional shift. I know what I want to create. And for the 20% that stayed, I hope that you're enjoying this. This is how I'm showing up. And by the way, if you want more, check out trainwithcliff.com because that's where you're going to find what you've been enjoying for the last 10 years. It's, it's still there. It's just going behind a paywall because I only want this podcast to be this thing from this point forward. It's a very, very intentional thing. But do I have the mindset that allows me to do that even if 80% of my audience over 12 months unsubscribes? Is my self-worth tied to the number of subscribers I have? Is my self-worth tied to the criticism of what people are saying about me publicly and my intentions behind the content that I create? I mean, I mean, this person overall, that was a glowing, wonderful, beautiful bit of feedback. But there is like Cliff, there's, his perception was, Cliff, all you're doing is you're showing up to sell people. And it, and it really turned me off. You know, I didn't like it. You lost, you lost that, you know, you lost that love. And Okay, I'm not going to sing again. I, I, I gave that up a long time ago. But do I have the mindset that it's okay to know what I want, to say yes to what I want to say yes to, to say no what I want to say no to, and to not take it personally when people don't like this version of what I want to do? Here's what I know is, is that, what I've been creating over the last several years in the Cliff Ravenscraft show has got me exactly the results that I desired from it. And here I am today with another episode, one hour, 38 minutes, 52 seconds. <laughs> I, I don't know. There might have been some, that, that timestamp might have been off because I do, when I went to go find the, the old episodes of the archives of things, so that, that timestamp's gonna be off. But anyway, are you familiar with who you are? What lights you up? Do you have the margin? And if you'd like to work with a coach to help you discover how you can experience more of the fullness of who you are, I am available for one-on-one -on -one coaching. And if you are full-time self-employed as a business owner, I have a mastermind group that would literally rock your world called the Next Level Mastermind. If this episode 
resonated with you at a deep level, even if you've been listening for five or six or 10 or 12 or 18 years and you've never emailed me, let today be the day you email me. Cliff at cliffravenscraft.com. Cliff at cliffravenscraft.com. Email me today. And I wish you a happy, profitable, abundant, satisfying, joy-filled, and peaceful new year. Mindset and surround.